This is the Bible in One Year, Day 219. Three Bad Attitudes That Cause Division During my time at university, I shared rooms with my great friend Nikki Lee, who's now one of the associate vicars at HDB. We did all our own catering. I did the cooking, and Nikki Lee did the dividing. He was an expert at dividing whatever was cooked into exactly equal portions. This is but one instance where division is used in a good sense rather than a bad one. Divisions are a fact of life. They need not necessarily be a bad thing. Indeed, they may even be necessary. For example, placing people in different divisions in an organization may be helpful and important. We see this kind of division in the Old Testament passage for today. Then there's a division that will take place on the Day of Judgment. This is a necessary division between good and evil. This kind of division can be seen in the psalm for today. There's also a third kind of division, which is not good, helpful or necessary. Disunity and division in the church is a tragedy. This kind of division is one we must do our very best to avoid. It's this kind of division that the Apostle Paul speaks against in the New Testament passage for today. Psalm 92 It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night, to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord! How profound your thoughts! Senseless people do not know. Fools do not understand that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, Lord, are forever exalted. For surely your enemies, Lord, surely your enemies will perish. All evildoers will be scattered. You have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Fine oils have been poured on me. My eyes have seen the defeat of my adversaries. My ears have heard the rout of my wicked foes. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Division between the righteous and evildoers. The world is divided, according to the psalmist, between evildoers and the righteous. Evildoers are senseless fools who do not understand. They are enemies of God. One day, not only will they be divided from the righteous, but they will also be divided amongst themselves. They will be scattered, and they will perish. The righteous, on the other hand, have a secure future. Both evildoers and the righteous flourish, but in different ways. For the evildoers, it's passing and temporal. They will soon be destroyed. They're like the grass. But for the righteous, it is a lasting and eternal flourishing. It's like a palm tree or a cedar of Lebanon. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. The difference between the success of the world power, fame, making money and so on, and the success of a true follower of Jesus in living a holy life is like the difference between grass, which lasts only a few days, and a palm tree that stands throughout the ages. Lord, 
when I see the lasting blessings you give to those who follow you, I want to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. New Testament, 1 Corinthians 3 Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed... Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are fellow workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. But if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives among you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person, for God's temple is sacred, and you, together, are that temple. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future. All are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Divisions in the Church Paul's letter to the Corinthians is a sandwich. He starts with praise and love. He ends with grace and love. In the middle, he raises issues that he wants them to deal with. This is a good model when confronting issues in an individual or a church. Start and end with a positive and encouraging note, but have the courage to deal with the issues. One of the issues he raises is division in the church. He says that they're worldly and unspiritual. In some ways, they were the most spiritual of all the churches that Paul wrote to. They did not lack any spiritual gift. 
However, they were unspiritual because of bad attitudes, which led to division. He points out three bad attitudes. These are dangerous for all Christians, but particularly for Christian leaders. First, jealousy. He writes, For since there is jealousy among you, are you not worldly? It is tempting to compare ourselves with others, and when we hear about some blessing another has received to start thinking, When is this going to happen to me? But as Joyce Meyer writes, we should bless others and not be afraid that they will get ahead of us. We must not envy anyone else's appearance, possessions, education, social standing, marital status, gifts and talents, job, or anything else, because that will only hinder our own blessing. Second, boasting. Paul writes, So then, no more boasting about human leaders. Boasting is the temptation to compare ourselves with others, think that we're doing rather well, and boast about our success. We need to see our part in God's economy in its proper perspective. We are first, mere human beings. Second, only servants. Third, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. Therefore, there's no cause for boasting. Third, quarrelling. Paul writes that their quarrelling is another reason that he sees them as unspiritual. We must avoid taking sides where one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos. All these stem from an inflated view of our own importance. These are unspiritual attitudes. These sorts of attitudes are all too common in fallen humanity, infecting the world, and sadly, the church too. We need to understand that all of us are utterly dependent on God. One plants a seed, the other waters it, but God makes it grow. Planting and watering are important, but they're relatively easy. Only God can do the difficult bit and make plants, people and churches grow. You do have a role to play. First, God uses you to bring people to faith. Apollos and Paul were those through whom the Corinthians came to believe. Second, God will reward you. The person who plants and the person who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to their own labor. Third, you are God's co-workers. God has chosen not to do it on his own. He chooses to use you. Being used by God is a huge privilege. Not only are you God's co-worker, but you're God's field, God's building. People try to build their lives on many things, money, education, job titles, possessions, and so on. But Jesus is the only sure foundation. Furthermore, Paul goes on to write, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? Therefore, he writes, I don't want to hear any of your bragging about yourself or anyone else. Everything is already yours as a gift, and you are privileged to be in union with Christ, who is in union with God. Lord, Thank you that we are fellow workers with you, and it is you who makes things grow. Keep us from pride and boasting, jealousy and quarreling. Help us to guard the unity of the church. Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 24-26 These were the divisions of the descendants of Aaron. The sons of Aaron were Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died before their father did, and they had no sons. So Eleazar and Ithamar served as the priests. With the help of Zadok, a descendant of Eleazar, 
and Ahimelech, a descendant of Ithamar, David separated them into divisions for their appointed order of ministering. A larger number of leaders were found among Eleazar's descendants than among Ithamar's, and they were divided accordingly. Sixteen heads of families from Eleazar's descendants and eight heads of families from Ithamar's descendants. They divided them impartially by casting lots, for there were officials of the sanctuary and officials of God among the descendants of both Eleazar and Ithamar. The scribe Shemaiah, son of Nathanel, a Levite, recorded their names in the presence of the king and of the officials. Zadok the priest, Ahimelech son of Abiathar, and the heads of families of the priests and of the Levites, one family being taken from Eleazar and then one from Ithamar. The first lot fell to Jehoiarib, the second to Jediah, the third to Harim, the fourth to Seorim, the fifth to Malkijah, the sixth to Maijamin, the seventh to Hakoz, the eighth to Abijah, the ninth to Jeshua, the tenth to Shechaniah, the eleventh to Eliashib, the twelfth to Jakim, the thirteenth to Huppah, the fourteenth to Jezebiab, the fifteenth to Bilgah, the sixteenth to Imma, the seventeenth to Heza, the eighteenth to Hapizes, the nineteenth to Petahiah, the twentieth to Jehezkel, the twenty-first to Jakin, the twenty-second to Gamul, the twenty-third to Deliah, and the twenty-fourth to Meaziah. This was their appointed order of ministering when they entered the temple of the Lord, according to the regulations prescribed for them by their ancestor Aaron, as the Lord the God of Israel had commanded him. As for the rest of the descendants of Levi, from the sons of Amran, Shubael, from the sons of Shubael, Jediah. As for Rehabiah, from his sons, Ishiah was the first. From the Isharites, Shalomoth. From the sons of Shalomoth, Jehath. The sons of Hebron, Jeriah the first, Amariah the second, Jehaziel the third, and Jechameam the fourth. The son of Aziel, Micah. From the sons of Micah, Shema, the brother of Micah, Ishiah. From the sons of Ishiah, Zechariah. The sons of Merari, Malai and Meushai. The sons of Jehaziah, Bino. The sons of Merari, from Jehaziah, Bino, Shoham, Zakur, and Ibrai. From Malai, Eleazar, who had no sons. From Kish, the son of Kish, Jeramiel. And the sons of Meushai, Malai, Eda, and Jeremoth. These were the Levites according to their families. They also cast lots, just as their relatives, the descendants of Aaron, did, in the presence of King David, and of Zadok, Ahimelech, and the heads of families of the priests and of the Levites. The families of the eldest brother were treated the same as those of the youngest. 1 Chronicles chapter 25 David, together with the commanders of the army, set apart some of the sons of Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun for the ministry of prophesying, accompanied by harps, lyres, and cymbals. Here is the list of the men who performed this service. From the sons of Asaph, Zakur, Joseph, Nethaniah, and Azarila, 
The sons of Asaph were under the supervision of Asaph, who prophesied under the king's supervision. As for Jeduthun and from his sons, Gedaliah, Zerai, Jeshiah, Shimei, Hashabiah, and Mattitiah, six in all, under the supervision of their father Jeduthun, who prophesied using the harp in thanking and praising the Lord. As for Heman, from his sons, Bukiah, Mataniah, Aziel, Shubael, and Jeremoth, Hananiah, Hanani, Eliatha, Gidaltai, and Romamtai Eza, Josh Pekesha, Malothai, Hota, and Mahazioth. All these were sons of Heman, the king's seer. They were given to him through the promises of God to exalt him. God gave Heman fourteen sons and three daughters. All these men were under the supervision of their father for the music of the temple of the Lord, with cymbals, lyres, and harps for the ministry of the house of God. Asaph, Jeduthun, and Heman were under the supervision of the king. Along with their relatives, all of them trained and skilled in music for the Lord, they numbered 288. Young and old alike, teacher as well as student, cast lots for their duties. The first lot, which was for Asaph, fell to Joseph, his sons and relatives, twelve. The second to Gedaliah, him and his relatives and sons, twelve. The third to Zakur, his sons and relatives, twelve. The fourth to Israel, his sons and relatives, twelve. The fifth to Nethaniah, his sons and relatives, twelve. The sixth to Bukiah, his sons and relatives, twelve. The seventh to Jezarela, his sons and relatives, twelve. The eighth to Jeshiah, his sons and relatives, twelve. The ninth to Mataniah, his sons and relatives, twelve. The tenth to Shimei, his sons and relatives, twelve. The eleventh to Azarel, his sons and relatives, twelve. The twelfth to Hashabiah, his sons and relatives, twelve. The thirteenth to Shubael, his sons and relatives, twelve. The fourteenth to Mattatiah, his sons and relatives, twelve. The fifteenth to Jeremoth, his sons and relatives, twelve. The sixteenth to Hananiah, his sons and relatives, twelve. The seventeenth to Joshkabesha, his sons and relatives, twelve. The eighteenth to Hanani, his sons and relatives, twelve. The nineteenth to Malothai, his sons and relatives, twelve. The twentieth to Eliatha, his sons and relatives, twelve. The twenty-first to Hota, his sons and relatives, twelve. The twenty-second to Gidaltai, his sons and relatives, twelve. The twenty-third to Mahazioth, his sons and relatives, twelve. The twenty-fourth to Ramamtai Eza, his sons and relatives, twelve. 1 Chronicles chapter 26 The Divisions of the Gatekeepers From the Korahites, Meshelamiah, son of Koreh, one of the sons of Asaph. Meshelamiah had sons, Zechariah the firstborn, Jediael the second, Zebediah the third, Jathniel the fourth, Elam the fifth, Jehohanan the sixth, and Elihohenai the seventh. Obededom also had sons, 
Shemaiah the firstborn, Jehozabad the second, Joah the third, Sekar the fourth, Nathanel the fifth, Amiel the sixth, Issachar the seventh, and Peulatai the eighth. For God had blessed Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom's son, Shemaiah, also had sons, who were leaders in their father's family, because they were very capable men. The sons of Shemaiah, Othni, Raphael, Obed, Elzebad. His relatives, Elihu and Semachiah, were also able men. All these were descendants of Obed-Edom. They and their sons and their relatives were capable men, with the strength to do the work. Descendants of Obed-Edom, sixty-two in all. Meshilamiah had sons and relatives who were able men, eighteen in all. Hosa the Merarite had sons. Shimrai the first, although he was not the firstborn, his father had appointed him first. Hilkiah the second, Tabaliah the third, and Zechariah the fourth. The sons and relatives of Hosa were thirteen in all. These divisions of the gatekeepers through their leaders had duties for ministering in the temple of the Lord just as their relatives had. Lots were cast for each gate according to their families, young and old alike. The lot for the east gate fell to Shelemiah. The lots were cast for his son Zechariah, a wise counsellor, and the lot for the north gate fell to him. The lot for the south gate fell to Obed-Edom, and the lot for the storehouse fell to his sons. The lots for the west gate and the Shalaketh gate on the upper road fell to Shupim and Hosar. Guard was alongside guard. There were six Levites, a day on the east, four a day on the north, four a day on the south, and two at a time at the storehouse. As for the court to the west, there were four at the road and two at the court itself. These were the divisions of the gatekeepers who were descendants of Korah and Merari. Divisions for ministry. Here we see the word divisions used in a positive sense. These were the divisions of the descendants of Aaron. David separated them into divisions for their appointed order of ministering. A large number of leaders were found. They were divided accordingly. They divided them impartially. There were also divisions of the gatekeepers. These divisions of the gatekeepers, through their leaders, had duties for ministering in the temple of the Lord. There are some interesting names in his list. Among the singers are the psalmists Asaph, Jejithan, and Heman. Among the gatekeepers, or as often translated, doorkeepers, are the Korahites. Psalm 84 is attributed to the sons of Korah, and was therefore presumably written by a doorkeeper. This helps us to understand what he meant when he wrote, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. In the body of Christ, we divide up the roles. Each part of the body has a different function. As St. Paul writes, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. God has combined the members of the body so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. The Apostle Paul describes the good sense of division, the different roles of members in the body, and seeking to avoid the bad sense there should be no division or disunity in the body. It's a great honor to be involved in any way in serving in God's house, whether we're helping with car parking or welcoming teams, coffee or prayer ministry. 
every person has great significance and honour because we are serving in God's house. Lord, help us to make wise decisions in the assignment of roles in the body of Christ so that everybody gets involved. Help us, your church, to function as a unit made up of many parts in which each part cooperates with all the others with the unity brought about by the Holy Spirit. Pippa adds, Psalm 92 verse 14 says, They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Fresh and green sounds good. As life goes by very quickly and I'm heading for old age fast, I'm encouraged by this verse. And there is something very beautiful about godly older people. You can see it in their face. I can think of many that I admire hugely. Their wisdom and holy life are an inspiration. I want to keep bearing fruit in old age and looking fresh and green.